Father in heaven, we just want to once again thank you, Lord, for this time that you've given to us, Lord. Yes, Lord, there is none like you. Father, there is no God like our God. God who became man so that one day man could become like him, like you, in your, in your nature. Lord, this morning we just want to thank you, Father, for every time that you give to us to come together as your children, to listen to your word. I pray this morning that you will speak to us in a special way. Lord, cleanse us a little more by the washing of water by the word. Sanctify us a little more, Lord, and cause us to walk in your ways this morning. Teach us your ways, show us your paths, and lead us in the way of everlasting life. To that that end, I pray that you would anoint the speaking and the hearing of this morning's word. We thank you, we praise you, we give you glory, for in Jesus' name, amen. We'll start with uh, a verse from Ephesians chapter 5. It says, husbands, love your wives. That's the first verse, okay. Brun, okay. <laughs> That's a welcome statement to of the first word that you will hear from the pulpit this morning, okay. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. But then it doesn't stop there. It's, a, it's, a, it's punctuated with a comma. And it goes on to say that he might sanctify and cleanse her. With the washing of water by the word. That he may present her to himself. A glorious church. Like that. Glorious church. The other translations will use the word. Magnificently apparelled. Okay. So when you, especially on wedding days. Nobody cares as to how the bridegroom looks. All eyes are on the bride. Okay. The dressing gown, etc., all the gowns, everything. No, the, the eyes are there. So it says, the glorious church, fantastically, gloriously apparel church. And how does he define this glory? How does he qualify it? Not having a spot, not having a wrinkle. Absolutely holy and without blemish. Last time when we looked at um, the the picture of the tabernacle, I said the, the tabernacle is a picture of Christ and the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. In order for the priest to enter into the holy place, the constant thing that they have, before they enter into the holy place, one of the things that they're supposed to do is to wash their hands and their feet. And that's a picture of the word. And the Bible says the priests who enter, one of the characteristics of the priest that he should be blemishless. In the Old Covenant, if you read the entire Leviticus, he should not have anything on his body. He should not be lame or doesn't, he should not have a squint eye or, I mean, absolutely blemishless in his body. Only those people, people are allowed to serve as priests, even though they are born of the tribe of Levi, they don't, don't automatically qualify to become priests. They should be absolutely blemishless in their body. A picture of, of a priest, the priest, Priest, uh, the priesthood in the new covenant where we are called as a royal priesthood that we should be blemishless in our spirit and in our soul before God. 
So the whole purpose, therefore, of uh, of uh, of the ministry of the Word of God is to prepare a glorious church, and that's essentially what thousands and millions of pulpits all around the world, authentic ones. Their main objective is to prepare a bride for the coming of the Lord. It says in Revelation chapter 22, this is what it says in um, verse 14. Blessed are those who wash their robes. (laughs) That's interesting, isn't it? This is the NIV translation. Blessed, Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life. And that they may go through the gates into the city. And who are outside? Outside are the dogs. Those who practice magic arts, etc. But what are these people? These are people who washed their robes. Yeah. In the, uh, in, the, and I will, uh, in, the in, in KJV translation it says, these are the people who do his commandments. <laughs> okay. These are the people who do his commandments. And then it says, you know, in the last days, there'll be two kinds of people in church and also in the world. Okay. In the world and in the world where the church is a part of the world, meaning it, we are in the world, but we are not of the world. Even as time passes, there'll be a set of people who will be continuously cleansed, sanctify themselves. The Bible says in Second Thessalonians, First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, the God of peace will himself sanctify you, how? Spirit, soul, and body, and preserve you blameless at his appearance. He who began is faithful, and he will also finish it. That's the faithfulness of God. But the whole purpose but is to prepare a bride, and you will see in the church, or even in the world, there will be a set of people who are serious about this. They want to be a part of that bride, who will be taken away, who will be raptured. And what are they doing? They're cooperating with the Spirit of God and surrendering themselves to the Word of God and continuously cleansing themselves and becoming even more sanctified in their thoughts, in their actions, and in their attitudes. And then, if you look at all the warnings in the book of Revelation, the book of Revelation has got so many warnings and so many promises, and ultimately, there's a word which, you know, the way it signs off is powerful. It says in Revelation chapter 22 verse 11, He who is unjust, let him be what? Unjust still. He is filthy, let him be filthy still. But he who is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he who is holy, let him be holy still. Okay. So we are coming to the end of time. I was talking to a pastor on Tuesday. As in, we, I was, he was, we were just thinking about certain things and that happened all these, all these past months since uh, the last time we uh, met for the watch night service. Things are actually going worse around the world. They're not going any better, especially for believers. But in this kind of a climate, the Bible says in the same kind of environment where the wheat is growing, the tares are also growing. And the harvest is the end of the age. And therefore, the whole purpose is to prepare us, prepare ourselves to be, to aim to be that city which is going to come down, the new Jerusalem in Revelation chapter 22, uh, 21 verse 2. 
bride adorned for her husband and this is not we are not talking about uh, normal adornment we are talking about spiritually adorned for her husband prepared so what how does a bride adorn herself do you have, and if you really want to be, and if you aim for that, you know, something, somebody said, no, if you aim for the clouds, sky, you will at least get something. <laughs> the, the trees, you'll get the trees, yeah. yeah. Something you'll get, no. But if your aim itself is just pass, you'll have a lot of tension hmm, when the exam results come. Hmm? So don't aim for that. Aim for the skies. I want to be a part. When the role is called up yonder, I'll be there. Okay. <laughs> really want to be a part of that, no? So how does one prepare yourself, prepare himself or herself to be a part of that people who have that assurance? It says, we will just be the way he is. And all those who have this hope, what do they do? Purify themselves. Faith is a substance of the things hoped for. What is the hope? That I'm going to see Jesus one day. And what is the faith? You're purifying yourself. That is the act of faith that you're doing right now so that one day you will have the, the, the courage or, or let, me, let me say the assurance that when you, when you see Jesus, you will not be ashamed. In Revelation chapter 14, um, this is a picture. It's not, there's so many interpretations of this. Who is this 144,000? But we'll just look at the principle. Let's not just go uh, into the details of who this 144,000 people are. Are they people who come through the tribulation? Are they Jewish believers uh, in the Messiah? Or so many, so many connotations and, and uh, interpretations that people may have. But there are certain principles which stand throughout every interpretation. Let us look at Revelation chapter 14, a few verses, as to who these people who are with the Lamb a part of the bride, if they are a part of the bride. And what are the characteristics of such people who are with the bride, who are ready alongside with him? And that, that promise is given even to the Laudation Church. He says, if you overcome, just as I overcame and sat on my father's throne, I will also give you the right to sit on my throne. And that is a, to the most compromised church. That Jesus is outside and not even inside. So let us look at certain characteristics. I mean, I've mentioned it some some start some time back in one of the studies, but I want to look at it in some fresh light. Then I looked and behold a lamb standing on Mount Zion. I love this word on Mount Zion. Zion, the highest peak. Okay, it says in Obadiah one seventeen, on Mount Zion. Will be, Jer- will, will be Jacob and the house of Jacob will possess their possessions on Mount Zion. Okay, it's a place, it's a spiritual position where you are positioning yourselves to inherit the inheritance that God has already given you. Okay. And then with, with him are 144,000, uh, could be a number, symbolic number or could be... Uh, Exact number, we don't know. Having his father's name written on their foreheads, and these are the people essentially who have refused to be part of the Antichrist beastly system, who refused to take the mark of, uh, of the Antichrist on their foreheads or on their, on their forearms. But they have, that means they rejected the, 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 the pressures of this world. They have overcome the pressures of this world, and they've come through this, this time of in, intense testing. 
And it says, and I heard a voice from the heaven, like the voice of many waters, like the voice of, a, of loud thunder. And I heard the sound of harpists playing their harps. And it goes on to say, then I, then I looked. Then they sang, as it were, a new song before the throne, before the four uh, living creatures and the elders. And no one could learn that song except the 144,000 who were redeemed from the earth. Notice that. Who are these people? These are the people who were not defiled with women. Because they are virgins. And he goes on to say, These are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever He goes. These were redeemed from among men, being first fruits to God and to Lamb. And in their mouth was found no deceit, for they are without fault before the throne of God. And it's very interesting that you'll see some very important characteristics that have been, that have been highlighted as to who these 144,000 people are. We are not talking about, we don't look at the number, but look at the nature that they have. The characteristics that they have, and that they have, that they have um, mastered and practiced. Because the Bible says, he who practices righteousness is born of God. Okay, And the devil is the one who practices evil or unrighteousness. But the one who is born of God is the one who is practicing righteousness. Okay, So what are these characteristics? Let us enumerate them. In order to understand a picture, to, uh, to get a picture as to what these are. The first thing is that they were people who were redeemed. The, the word redeemed occurs two times. They were redeemed from the earth and they were redeemed from among men. They were purchased, they were ransomed. Okay, goes on to say. They were the first fruits to God and to the Lamb. The, the, that word being first fruits for the God, for God and to Lamb is mentioned in the last. And the third thing it's mentioned is that they are undefiled. They kept themselves pure. Fourth thing that is mentioned is that they were virgins. Fifth thing that is mentioned is that they followed the lamb wherever he goes. Sixth thing that is mentioned is that they had no deceit in their mouths. And the seventh is that they were faultless before God's throne. Okay. Alright. Remember that song? On Christ the solid rock I stand. Clothed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. So these are the people who are faultless before God's throne. And these are the people who are following the Lamb wherever he goes. They're part of the Lamb. They're the one who were with him. So the first thing that we look at is here is that these are the people who are redeemed. First thing, what does redeemed mean? Okay. Some of the things that you have learned over a period of time, but let us look at it in some fresh light. What is redeemed? First Peter chapter 1 verse 18 will say, Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, verse 19, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Who are these people? These are the people who have been reconciled to God by the death of his son. Okay. They were redeemed. They were purchased. Redeemed, redeemed mean meaning purchased. They were owned by somebody else, okay, by some other, but they've been purchased from that, from that owner, from, from, from that person, uh, by paying a redemption price. And the price of redemption is the precious blood of lamb. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 will say, He has delivered us from the power of darkness, that is Jesus, and uh, that is God the Father, and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have a redemption. How? Through his blood. And that is the reason why we celebrate Christmas. 
The reason for the season is, in Mark's Gospel chapter 10, verse 44, it says, at 45, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life. The word for life is his soul, his blood, as a ransom for many. That's the purpose. The reason why the Son of Man came is to give his life as a price for redemption. So in John's Gospel chapter 1, this is what um, um, uh, John the Baptist has to say about Jesus. Look at what he says in verse 35. And again, the next day, John stood with the two of his disciples and looking at Jesus, he walked and said, Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, the Redeemer, who redeemed you. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed him. That's it. I mean, Zach Poonen in one of his teachings makes a very powerful statement. He says, on my epitaph, this is what I want to be written. Okay, Don't write, he fought the good fight, finished the race, etc. Okay? Just write. They heard him speak and they followed Jesus. That is what I want to sign off my life with. Okay? They heard him speak and they followed Jesus. That's exactly, exactly what, they, what, what they did. I mean, the two disciples, this is the disciples of John. They heard him speak and they followed Jesus. Okay. So, he was the one who gave his life as a ransom for many. So they heard him speak and they followed Jesus. What, what was our previous condition? Our previous condition was, you need to understand, we don't appreciate these things because we heard it so many times. Paul gives a very interesting picture as to how this redemption happened. Look at what he says in Romans chapter 7 about himself. I don't know if this is true about you. This is about himself. For we know that the law is spiritual. But I am carnal. How? Sold under sin. That was my previous condition. What is what is what is the picture that Saul is, um, Paul is trying to trying to convey, or rather trying to depict or uh, show here? He says, you know what? In those days, when they went for war, and after the soldiers went for war, they used to get a lot of loot, and alongside with the loot, they, they were given you know a lot of prisoners of war as slaves. Okay, so what they used to do is bring all the slaves, some strong, some girls. Some oh, some old, some new, I mean, different kinds of people. And they were sold in the slave market in, under different categories. For example, if you had a very strong body and a physique, they would, I mean, if, if you were a soldier as a, as a, as a, as a uh, and you were captured as a prisoner of war, they would be kept under a banner called, you know, you go to the market under this, all gladiator, gladiators being sold over here. So you are being sold under category called gladiator. So the person comes and he purchases you. Now all you can do is you are at the mercy of your owner. Whatever your mercy, your owner asks you to do, you should do it. You don't have any rights over your life. What you do, you are a gladiator. You will fight for me. You will die for me. There will be some people who had some skill as farmers. So there will be a category called farm, uh, ex-farmers from Israel. Giving an example. So they'll come, okay, oh, this is a good farmer, have a huge farm. Okay, this guy is experienced under farmer, is an experienced farmer. Now what is he going to do? He's going to work for me and whatever I ask him to do, he will do. And the worst is the women. They'll come to this category, they'll look at the women and they will say, okay, young, 
beautiful. Now she's going to sell her body and whatever I ask her to do, she will do. And Paul is having this picture. He says, you know what? I was, there was a banner called under sin and I was like this, under sin. And whatever sin is asking me to do, I'm doing it. And who is my master? Sin is my master. I was powerless. And that is the reason why it says, Cain, Cain, why are you angry? If you do well, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do well, huh, a sin is crouching at the door and his desire is for you. Notice the pronoun which is being used. Not its desire. His desire is for you and you should not master it, but you should master him as a person. It's actually brought out in beautifully in the KJV. So he says, under sin, you are under sin and you do not have... So some people are addicted to, let's say, pornography. So what are they? They are sold to fulfill their lusts. So they cannot just help themselves but to fulfill those addictions. Some are sold for their labs. They are workaholics and alcoholics. All are licks. All licks. They have no capacity in themselves to save themselves. They are sold under sin. So what are you going to do? You are going to do what your master sin is going to ask you to do. You are absolutely under the command of sin. So sin will ask you to get up. Maybe right in the middle of your, if you're, I mean, I remember my, one of my scientists from DRDO, brilliant scientist, Sarataj Singh, is probably the best roboticist in India. Okay. I worked with him. But a man who had no control over his senses, every 15 minutes he needed to, needed to take a smoke. So when he used to work and code, he used to be like this. Brilliant guy. You should see the kind of work that he did. I mean, you'd be stunned. But every 15 minutes he said, Vijay, um, I, I need to go. What is calling me? Sin. <laughs> Sold under sin. That is my condition. See, when you say redemption, this is what the picture is. And you should see the way he used to shake. I used to think about the kind, I'm, I'm telling you, some of the codings that I did for my research, I learned it from him. I said, boy, what brilliance. Not married, like Paul, dedicated his life for robotics. And he said, I wished that all were all men were like me, roboticists, and not married. But every man has, has his own gift. That's what he said. Man, think about it, no? But the man is completely controlled by his desires and his vices. He can't give it up. He'll start shaking after a while. And you can smell gutka come, I mean, the, the, the smell of gutka from a, from a scientist, from a scientist D or E or whatever F. I'm not sure what DRDO scientist is, is the category he is. But you know what? He's sold under sin. Sold. Look at what a picture of this. In Hosea, Hosea, by the way, Hosea comes from the Hebrew word, which means salvation. A prophet is asked to do something incredible. Hosea chapter three. 
Then the Lord said to me, I and mean, by the way, if you if you really want to get a complete picture and a rendering of this, I would really encourage you to go back in 2021, if I'm right, Pastor James preached a message called Crazy Love, okay? It is there on YouTube. Just go back, enjoy it, it's powerful, okay? Then the Lord said to me, go again. Love a woman who is loved by a lover. <laughs> and is committing adultery. You know, the, this, this, the, I like the word committing, meaning it is committed to sin. It is disposition is towards sin. It cannot help but sin. It's bent towards sin. Hmm? And then, go and love her, is what God is telling Hosea. Just like the love of the Lord for the children of Israel, look at the comparison, just like the love of the Lord for the children of Israel, who look to other gods and love the raisin cakes of the pagans. What what cakes? What season? Okay, understood, no? Okay. <laughs> they love the raisin cakes of the seasons. Of the pagans. They're sold. They're committed to these gods. And you, Hosea, which means God is my salvation. Yahweh is my salvation. You know what you should do? Go and love her. But how are you going to love her? First of all, she's, she's being sold and the soul, so in, in, in the market. First, you have to redeem her. So Hosea goes. Okay, so, I mean, think about the prophets of those days. I, you know, people have these titles, prophet, so and so. They have no idea as to what it means to be a prophet of God. So Hosea goes. He goes to the marketplace and there's a marketplace where all the slaves are there on the, in the marketplace and he finds his own wife, Gomer. There in the marketplace. And then she said, so I bought her for myself for 15 shekels of silver. So he's, he's going and bargaining. Uh, I want this lady. How much? For her, uh, 25 shekels of silver. Silver is the price of redemption. And he, oh, he goes to his pocket. Check, check, check. Yeah. Sir, sir, I only have 15, sir. Uh, 15. What else do we have? Uh, one kg of barley. After anything else? Nothing. All my bank account over. Okay, take her. Literally emptied himself of all the treasures that he had to buy a useless lady. the picture is this what did you do Hosea to bring back this wife I emptied my bank balance to get this wife you know what God did God had only one son the entire bank balance of heaven in him what the fullness of God dwelt you know what he did it is not the prodigal son it is a prodigal God Literally, he wasted his entire money called Jesus and he purchased us. That is redemption. So, who are these redeemed? These are the people who have realized, you know what? I'm being sold under sin. I was helpless. Like Pastor was talking about from Romans chapter 5. I was what? Without power. I was what? Ungodly. I was a sinner. I was an enemy of God. But... 
God commended his love toward me that he sent his son to die for my sons. That is redemption. So who are these people? Who are these people who are a part of the bride? These are the people who are conscious of the price of their redemption. They say, you know, Lord, I know what it took for you, what it took you to have me as your son, as your daughter. I remember, I remember I gave you that uh, example of the child who made this beautiful boat and he wanted to try this boat and he took it to the sea and the tide came and he took the boat away. Okay, and he started crying, he went back to his home and then the tide went, went down and the boat came back onto the, onto, onto the seashore. Another guy was walking by, he was going for his uh, jog and he looked at this beautiful boat so he cleaned it up and he went to the local souvenir store and he sold it to the souvenir guy and that guy painted it and made it beautiful and he put it on the on the, on the, on display. And one day this boy was walking down that street and he looked at his boat and he said, that's my boat. How come it reached this, this, this shop? And, 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 and he said, he went to the owner and he said, sir, 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 please, sir, don't sell it to anybody, sir. I want it, sir. So take this guarantee, sir. Five dollars. How much, sir? This is twenty-five dollars. Within a few days, I will get the rest of the money. Please give it to me. And you know what? He goes, does his odd job, gets his rest of money, goes back to the, goes back to the owner, he gives his $25, takes the boat, and he hugs it and he says, I made you, I bought you, I made you, I bought you, I made you, and now I redeemed you for myself. You see, that is redemption. That is the reason why we celebrate Christmas. Hmm? So, so what did God do therefore? He just did not even redeem us. You know what he did? He made us first fruits to God and to the Lamb. That is interesting, isn't it? <laughs> what is that? Let me ex- explain what that is. In James chapter 1, this is, what, this is what God has to say. Every good and every perfect gift. Who is a good and perfect gift? Tell me. Everybody. Jesus. Everybody say, Jesus. Unashamedly, Jesus. The good and the perfect gift. Okay. The good and perfect gift comes from above. And comes down from the father of what? Lights. With whom there is no variation or shadow of turning or what we call in in physics parallax error. Okay. And then of his own will. Okay. He brought us forth by the word of truth. In order that, the word that means in order that we might be a kind of what? First fruits of his creatures. Kind of first fruits of his creatures. Now what he has done? He has not only cleansed me. He has not only purchased me. You know what he did actually? Before God, he justified me first thing. Okay, by faith we are justified. He not only declared me righteous, he also gave a new nature inside of me because of the love that he showered upon me. He gave me the access to be called what? The children of God. And he gave me new births. First Peter chapter 1. Pastor was talking about mercies. Look at how God is introduced over here. An expression of his mercy. What is the expression of his mercy? Blessed be, this is the English standard version, ESV. I'm sorry, I didn't put it there. ESV. All translations except mentioned are in NKJV. Otherwise, I will mention. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The God and the Father of whom? Of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. According to his great mercy. (laughs) I love that. 
Why, what did he do? What was the expression of his mercy? He caused us to be what? Born again. Beautiful, isn't it? That is the reason why. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that what? We. We, meaning we, the, the emphasis is where? Let us take it out. Take away we. Let us put Vijay. Hmm? You can also say Vijay. Okay, I'll, I'll say Vijay, okay, so that you will not get offended. Okay. Bless, okay. Behold what manner of love the Father has showed upon Vijay. That Vijay should be called what? Son of God. I told you, no? You're working for Microsoft? Fantastic. You are working for Microsoft? Fantastic. Lot of both verses have, words have two different kind of connotations. You're working for Microsoft? Fantastic. You, I mean, uh, you know what I'm talking about. How much did you get? First in class. You got first in class. That's exactly what it is. What are you? Son of God. You? Vijay? Son of God? What is that? Great mercy. So, and what did they become? They become the first fruits. You know what first fruits is? When you get the harvest. You know what they do? The Bible says, Honor the Lord with your substance. Ah, now fill in the blanks, my dear children. Okay? The children who teach, who, who are being taught Proverbs every day. Okay? Honor the Lord with your substance and with the dash of all your increase. Excuse me? Ah, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's no brainer, right? First fruits of all your increase. What does it mean? These are the people who said, you know what? This is my life. It is a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Who is the first born of, of all creation from the dead? From the resurrection from the dead? Jesus. He's a kind of first fruits. Now you are the Jesus kind. You're born again according to... Now you have the, the nature of Jesus in seed form at least, minimally, in you. So what do you do? Offer it to God. That is the reason why. If God has given you such fantastic, great mercy and redeemed you from that horrible condition of sin, what is the minimal that you are supposed to do? What is the logical thing you are supposed to do? Romans chapter 12 verse 1. I beseech you therefore brothers by the word of God. That's exactly what pastor was talking about this morning. I said, Lord pastor, why do you take my message? I wanted him to stop but you know, it's interesting that he is actually reiterating what God has already spoken to me in the morning. Mercies of God. The mercies of God. So many mercies, my brothers. The fact that you are alive today is a mercy. One mercy. That you have a job is another mercy. That you have a house, another mercy. That you have health, you have another mercy. Incredible. Count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Mm-hmm. Mercy. And what do you do? Offer your bodies. Upon which the Lord showed mercy. And give it as a what? A living sacrifice. And what is this? It is your logical act of worship. That is reasonable. Rational. Everybody likes logic, no? Very algorithmic we are. What is the logic? This is the logic. If he has shown you so much mercy, what you should do? The minimal that you should do. Kanisam. Imjala. You should deny yourself. Is a minimum that you should do. 
pick up your cross, minimum, and follow him. Mm-hmm. So first thing, what are they? They were redeemed from the earth and from among men. Second, they are the kind of first fruits of his creatures. Then it says, next one, they are what? Undefiled. This is where the difficult part comes, no? Everybody likes justification. Not many people like sanctification. But without sanctification, there is no glorification. What is the hope of your glory? Christ, where? Baba, Christ, where? You are not sure about the answer? In you. Okay, if you are sure about the answer. Christ, in you, the hope of your glory. So, what therefore a believer has to do in order to become undefiled? Cleanse yourself of all the defilement so that you can become undefiled. That's very simple. How do you do that? Is a question. What is the attribute or the characteristics that you have to practice so that you can continuously cleanse yourself of all the defilement? Is a question. Right? Some very serious stuff here. Please buckle your seatbelts. Okay? Second Corinthians chapter 6. This is what Paul said. If you are upset with me, please don't upset. I am only quoting Paul. I'm giving you a citation also. It is there in the Bible. Second Corinthians chapter 6. If you think I'm quoting the wrong Bible, please convert. Uh, you can double check with your Bible. Okay? If you get upset, please get upset with him and not with me. Okay? I love Paul. I don't know about you. For you are the temple of the living God. What are you? Your body is a temple of the living God like pastor was talking about on, on Monday. If he said, you know what? That God... Where you had the most holy place on, on, on the day of atonement, the high priest had, the, he was the only person who had access to the most holy place. And once in a year he could go, that very God of the most holy place comes and makes us his abode. And now if he has made you his abode, what are you supposed to do? In the previous verses he says, don't be yoked yourself with your unbelievers. What uh, agreement has light with darkness? What agreement has sons of God with Belial? And etc, etc, etc. So many things which are mentioned. And then it says, because, why should you separate yourself from unbelievers? Why should you do that? Is because you are the temple of the living God. Okay? As God had said, I will dwell in them. Where? And walk among them. What will God do? I will dwell in you and I will walk among you. I will be their God and they shall be my people. This is one of the promises from the Bible. Therefore, come out from among them and be what? Separate, says the Lord. And do not touch anything which is unclean. Okay? And I will receive you. Then it goes on to say, I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord. There are three promises which are given. First, I will walk I will dwell in them and I will walk among them. Please come out and be separate. And then I will be a father. And you shall be my sons and daughters. So what you should do? What you should do is this. This is a message of separation, right? Acts chapter 2. Give you an example just to ensure that it is consistent with the apostles' doctrine. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them saying, 
be saved from this perverse generation or a crooked generation, other translations. Then those who, what? Gladly receive. If you are NIV positive, uh, gladly is removed in NIV. Okay? Reluctantly received. The NIV people will, <laughs> just joking, okay? NIV will reluctantly receive, but the KJVs will uh, gladly receive. Okay, alright. And those who gladly received a, this word, what is this word? Be set apart with, from this perverse generation. Isn't it interesting? Luke is saying, he, he wanted to write down what all Peter said, okay? <laughs> Peter was going on and on and on and on and on and on. Peter was not stopping now, okay? And he said, okay, fine. The gist of the matter is this. <laughs> With many words, <laughs> we saved from this perverse generation. So, if these are the promises that God is telling you, that I will dwell among you, I will dwell in you, I will be among you, I will walk among you, and you shall be my uh, sons and daughters, and uh, I shall be your God, what are you supposed to do? Second Corinthians chapter 6, no, does not end there. Corinthians doesn't end there. It goes on to chapter 7, verse 1, continuation. Therefore, having these promises, what are these promises? Come out from among them, be separate, etc., etc. What you should do? Beloved, let us, what? Cleanse ourselves from all the defilement or the filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit. But how do you do that? Perfecting holiness where? In the fear of the Lord. So what is that one characteristic that we have to practice and cultivate is what? Everybody say this. Fear of God. Mm-hmm. Okay, let me tell you what fear of God is. Giving you a picture. Sundar Krishnan in one of his sermons talks about this. He talks about the splendor of God's holiness. It's a series of sermons. In, the, in that he says, he went to Grand Canyon. Okay. When he went to Grand Canyon, he looked at the beautiful, scenic beauty of the canyon. Okay. And there was a precipice over there. And he went close to the precipice. He took his camera put it on panoramic view, okay, so that he could get a complete view of this. And he said, you know what? The view was so breathtaking. It was so attractive. I was, it was so awesome to, to use, his, use his language that I said, you know what? I have to capture it in, in, in my camera. I have to talk about it. It's beautiful. It attracts you to, to, to it. You cannot just run away from it. You cannot stop describing it. But you know what? If I take one step closer, you know what's going to happen to me? Sure death. That is the fear of God. God is incredibly awesome. Incredibly attractive. Incredibly beautiful. You are beautiful beyond description, etc., 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 etc. And he's so attractive. But if you cross one line, that is the reason why in in Psalm 2 it says, rejoice with trembling. What is that? How many of you rejoiced? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice with 
Rejoice in the Lord. You, can, you sing, can you sing that like, sing like that? That's what it says in, Ram, in Psalm 2. Rejoice with trembling. Serve the Lord with fear. I'm just warming up. Okay. I'm going to talk about this a little more. Acts chapter 2. And they continued steadfastly. In what? In the apostles' doctrine. What did they continue? In the apostles' doctrine or the teaching of the apostles. And the fellowship. And the breaking of bread. And in prayers. And what happened? What came? As a result of all this? Fear came upon every soul. And signs and wonders happened through the apostles. So that, that's the order. Okay? First should, first should, fear should come. Then what should happen? Wonders and signs should happen. Because even the Antichrist will show a lot of lying signs and wonders. But what they will not have is what? Fear. But let me look at the first, I want to show you the desirableness of this. You know what, whenever we talk about the fear of God, a lot of people get upset. But if you ask me, what is my favorite topic in the Bible, is the fear of God. I've studied it so many times and I want it because there are so many blessings. I don't have the time to go into the details of it, but I'm going to show you a sample of the blessings that one enjoys if he has a fear of God. Look at first of all what God calls the fear of God. Okay? God, when he uh, redeemed us, he emptied his treasure, that was Jesus, and he redeemed us. Look at what it says about the fear of God in Isaiah chapter 33 verses 5 to 6. The Lord is exalted for he dwells on high. He has filled Zion with justice and righteousness. Okay. Wisdom and knowledge. That, that is Zion. Okay. Mount Zion. That we're talk, that's what we're talking about. Right. Wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times. What will be the stability of your times? Wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times. And the strength of your salvation. So what is the strength of your salvation? Wisdom and knowledge will be the strength of your salvation and the stability of your times. And then it says, the fear of the Lord is what? Is the Lord's treasure. What is, if, I mean, if you have to really understand how spiritual you are, how rich you are in your spirit, just evaluate and measure the fear of the Lord that you have in you. That is His treasure. That's His treasure. But unfortunately, we cannot manufacture this. It has to be given to us by God. And that is the reason why the order is very important. You have to be born of God first. Because a natural man is incapable of the fear of God. Look at what it says in Romans chapter 3 about the natural man, the unregenerated man. Romans chapter 3, it is written, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands... There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. And the way of peace they have not known. And verse 18, there is no fear of God before their eyes. This is about all of us in our unregenerate condition. And what is the expression of a man who does not have the fear of God? Out of the abundance of your heart, what will speak? Your mouth will speak. So look at what it says. Their throat is an open tomb. Meaning, that complete, see, when you know that speech of certain people, you know whether they have the fear of God or not. Okay, we'll come to that a little later. 
with their tongues they have they practice deceit the poison of asps is under their lips whose mouth is full of bitterness and cursing and about this about these people it is it says that they don't have what they don't have the fear of god before their eyes so fear of god has to begin somewhere now you should say you will say vijay you are talking so much about love pastor james has been talking about love and faith expressing itself through love but why are you bringing this fear suddenly this seems to be totally tangential to the topic that we are discussing i beg to disagree it is absolutely in keeping with what we have been studying in all these days the ultimate expression of god is the cross of his love is the cross that is the ultimate expression of love how do you know that god loves you look at his son hanging on the cross for your sin he who did not know sin did not do sin or did not know sin he became sin for us that's a cross that's the expression of love that is the reason why god commends his love for us that while we were yet sinners he died for us on the cross that is the expression of his love but look at a man's realization when he sees the expression of this love okay let us see in luke's gospel chapter 23 this is the two criminals one one side and on the other side then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him saying if you are really the christ save yourself and us look at what he says but the other answering rebuked him saying what is it do you not even what fear god seeing that you are under the what same condemnation think about it if the one person in this entire universe who could commend sin to god was a son do you understand what i said who could say okay it's okay it's my son he's absolutely righteous the one person who could have commended sin to god was a son but you know what when god made his son into sin you know what he did he turned his eyes away and he poured out his wrath upon him and this man looks at that and he says you know what i am unjust okay i am unholy i not only deserve to die on the cross but i also deserve to be condemned eternally in hell eternally in hell that is my that's what i deserve this man does not deserve anything of this look at what he says the next verse he says and we indeed justly for we receive the due reward for our deeds but this man has did nothing wrong and i was thinking about this what was the revelation that this man had on the cross he had a revelation of two things he had the revelation of the god the love of god and he also had the revelation of the fear of god the requirement of the fear of god let me tell you what it is i just made the statement you can if you for whatever it is worth i wrote it down the revelation of the expression of ultimate love is the beginning of ultimate fear let me explain that to you what is ultimate fear jesus said don't fear those people what is that who will only hurt your body but fear him who has not only power to hurt your body but also power to put your soul eternally in hell fear him now this guy 
is exactly at the doorsteps of hell. Jaws of eternal death. And he looks at that love. And he said, you know what? I'm not fearful of these people who are only hurting my body. But one thing I fear. My soul might eternally go to hell. Let me believe at this moment. And he believes. At that moment, he believes. And you know what he says immediately? Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. You see how the fear of God starts? You know what Jesus says? Surely, today you shall be where? With me in paradise. You know what I've done? I literally rescued you from, in Telugu, in Hindi, Baal, Baal, Bajkya. Your death, this is only temporary. This is nothing. My goodness. If God did not spare his own son when he became sin, what about me? He started fearing. He saw the ultimate expression of God's love. And that was the Exp- or the beginning of the ultimate fear. And what is the ultimate fear? Not only fearing the person, he's not just fearing, you're not fearing the people who have the, who have the authority to kill your body, but you're fearing the person who not only has a, the authority to, to hurt your body, but also your soul eternally in hell. Okay? Forgiveness is God's expression of love. Fear is our response towards God. What is that? You say, what? Forgiveness is God's expression of love. Fear is our response to God. Let me show you that verse, okay? Only by grace can we enter. Okay. Lord, if you mark transgressions, who can stand? That is where Petra stopped their song, unfortunately. Look at what it says, the next verse. Lord, if you mark iniquities, who can stand? Look at the next verse. Everybody let us read verse 4, okay? But there is Forgiveness with you, ah, that you may be what? Fear? What is forgiveness? Expression of God's love. What is response? Lord, the fear of God. I wrote this statement again. Born again saints life a truly born again saint's life, is characterized by the fear of God. And when I say life, I mean the choices that he makes. The choice of his career, the choice of his life partner, the choice of his university, every choice that he makes, the choice of his church. Okay? Because that is the reason why it says in Proverbs chapter 1, you should choose the fear of God. It's a choice. I said before you what? Life and death, blessing and curse. Choose what? Life and a saint's life is character. That means in every choice that he makes. Okay. What he characterizes, what he makes is based upon the reverence and the respect and the fear that he has towards God. Okay. Let me show you Why did I use this word born again? Galatians chapter 4, verse 28. 
And we, who are these we? Believing brothers and sisters, born again brothers and sisters. Like who? Like what? Isaac. Our children not merely physically descendant like Ishmael, but are children born of the promise, born miraculously or born from above. Isaac was a person who was born of God, born from above, born of promise. He's a type of a believer who is born of God. A type. A, a saint who is in Christ. Isaac is a saint who is in Christ. Right? That is like Isaac. Now, in the Bible, God had several names. God had how many names? Several names. Okay, several uh, t- titles you can say. Uh, Yehovah, Je- Je- Yahweh Ire, okay, Yahweh Shalom, Yahweh Nisi, uh, Yahweh Siddhikeno, uh, Yahweh, Sh- uh, Yahweh Rafa, okay, Yahweh Kana. Oh, so many n- titles for Yahweh. Yahweh Shabbat. Okay, so many, so many, so many titles for God. And the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, etc., etc., etc. But something about the God of Isaac is mentioned. Notice, what are we? What are we? We are like Isaac. Born of what? Promise. And what is the statement that I made? A born again saint's life is characterized by the what? By the fear of God. Now look at how Isaac's God is mentioned in the Bible. Okay? Isaac's God is mentioned in the Bible. Let me, let me give you this, this, illust- this picture and I will try to explain how we can apply that in our lives. Genesis chapter 31. Unless the God of my father, okay? The God of Abraham, the God of my father, okay? He's, he is actually describing the God of my father, who's, who's his father? Isaac, right? The God of my father is actually the God of who? And what is he? The fear of Isaac. He's the God of Abraham. Okay, let me tell you what it means. Are you, who is that person, who is that God that Vijay worships? Okay. For example, it is the God whom my pastor fears. Who is the God that you worship? It is the God that my father fears. Who is the God that your children worship? It is the God that their father fears. What does that mean? Uh, Isaac, can you do this? Let Let me just go and consult God. Okay, I don't know how to pray about this. He goes to God and he says, Lord, should I do this or not? Okay, fine. Every time I have to make a decision, what? Let me consult with God. I fear him. I respect him. I honor him. Think about a church. Which God you worship in your church? It is the God that my pastor fears. Think about a church like that. You know why? Whatever you fear is your God. Ultimately, If you fear security, money will be, will become your God. Financial security. Not once, but twice. The same chapter. Verse 53. The God of Abraham, the God of Nahor, and the God of their father judged between us. And Jacob swore by the what? By the fear of the father. Of his father, Isaac. And who is the fear of the father, Isaac? God. He feared God. 
You know why we are a generation who are so careless about anything? Because we don't have. Our God is not the fear of Isaac. Who is your God? The one which I fear. Which I fear. I consult him every time. Every decision I make, I go to him. Only when I heard from him will I make a decision. Can you imagine a life like that? My father fears a person. That is God. It doesn't matter what happens in the house. We do not do anything until God says yes in our house. Can you think about a house like that? Can you think about young people like that? Anything that I do, I will only ask God if he says yes, then I will do it. Otherwise, I will not do it. Because you know why? I fear him. Why? Because we like Isaac are what? Children of the promise. And if we are like Isaac, what should we have? We should have the fear of Isaac. Do we have the fear of Isaac? That is the reason why I say the born again saint's life is characterized by the fear of God. And why did Isaac fear? Tied to the altar. By his father. Think about it now. Took us, I don't know what, what was going, going on through his mind. I don't know. What, what did I do to deserve this? I don't know. Maybe I might have sinned. I don't know. And father is taking his knife and is about to kill. And he hears a voice. Abraham, Abraham. Stop from killing your son. And you know what Isaac said? Bal bal bach gaya. I mean, he's like, stop. I don't know what, how, what was going through his heart. Think about a guy, you know, he was being tied by his father and his heart might be thumping in his chest. And after that, he's raising his life like this and he's about to, and he hears a voice, both him and his father. Abraham, Abraham. I didn't say that. The angel of the Lord called him and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do not do anything to him. For now I know that you what? Fear God. That you fear God. And that fear of God, on the altar, when Isaac offered himself, he heard it. And he said, you know what? In my place, what is dying? The ram. Prince. When I survey <laughs> the wondrous cross, on which the prince of glory died. That glory, glorious prince, he took my place. I was, I was spared. And what do I do now? I have the what? Fear of God. And this God is called the fear of Isaac. Who's this God? The fear of Isaac. Can you imagine who's your God? The one, the one whom I fear. The fear of Isaac. Can you say the fear of Isaac is my God? Think about it. I mean, you should really be able to say it from the bottom of your heart. I was thinking about it yesterday when I, was, when I was preparing. I said, Lord, think about my life, Lord. My own life. Can it be characterized? This man fears his God. The decisions that he makes. When people look at him, he says, you know what? This man fears his God. He will not do anything without consulting from his God. And he respects his God. He reverences his God. He always consults him. And he does whatever his God asks him to say, asks him to do. No questions. No ifs. No buts. Think about it, no? I mean, you should have it the same kind of a respect for your father and your mother. If you make a decision in your life, we should first thing, as your, as children, one of the things that you should, you should think, 
what will my father say? Mm-hmm. Boy, it will save you a lot of trouble. Lot of trouble. What will my father say? You know, that is the reason why even Isaac's, how old are you Isaac? 40 years. All your peers are getting married. What will my father say? Whoever my father asked me to, asked me to marry, I will marry. What will I do? I will meditate. Kya baat hai? Kya baat hai? I mean, think about it. This man you know, said, I will not do anything. I will not do anything until I have the consultation of my father and my God. Because I fear him. The fear of Isaac. And what is he doing when Rebecca is coming? Meditating. <laughs> Young people can take it as a challenge, you know. You are doing the work of God and suddenly God brings the person whom you are supposed to marry into your life like that. That will be an awesome sight, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And you know what? A person who fears God is a trophy for God. He will boast about this man. Do the entire demonic host. Look at what it says about Job. Job chapter 1. There was a man in the land of whose, whose name was Job. Job means the word, word Job means the one who's hated. Obviously, people who fear God will always be hated and persecuted, okay? And that man was what? Blameless, upright, and the one who feared God, and he shunned evil. And who is this God? Are you, who is the God that the children of Job worship? Is the God their father fears. And then he, this, look at, God is looking at the, at the entire world, okay? If I have to take an entrance exam on the characteristics of the fear of God, who will come top in the class? The eyes of the Lord are in to and fro, scanning all the earth, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, to see whose man, whose heart is stayed on God. And one Job feared God. Feared God. And he says, Satan, come here, come here. What have you been doing? Same job, up, down, up, down, up, down, railways. Railways job, no? What is it? Godavari up, Godavari down. Falaknama up, Falaknama down. What is your job? Satan up, Satan down. Traveling left, right and center to just get all the details about the saints of God. And he says, have you considered Job? The trophy of God. Look at this man. There is no one like him on the earth. Boy, what a statement. I'm thinking, I mean, you should read it and you should stop there. No. In all the earth, there was a man, Moses, who was meekest. Where? Not in Israel. What is it? What is his name? Nathaniel was the man who was guileless in Israel. Moses was meekest in where? In all the earth. Think about it now. Think about that state. What a challenge that is. We're young people, think about it. If God were to look at you in your in your in your class and then he says, you know what? Look at my daughter, look at my son in this class. There is none like this in my church who fears God like this. The fear of Vijay, the fear, or let's say of uh, of Hepsiba, the fear of Krutika. Who is the God? The fear of that God that is the fear of Krutika. Think about that statement. Can God associate his name with you, my dear brothers? 
Who is that fear of Vijay? He's not God of Yehovah Shalom, Yehovah. He is the God. He's a fear of Vijay. He's associating his name with you. My God, I, that gives me a challenge. It says, boy, what, what a challenge for me in the new covenant. Because I have just not, the, the spirit of God is called the spirit of the fear of God. You know what? This reverence where we learn from, we learn from his son. Who in the days of his flesh, you know what he did? With loud cries and tears, he was praying, Lord, I know the thin line, Lord. Let me not become presumptuous, Lord. Let me not just, let me not just anything, take anything for granted, Lord. If I even sin in my thought life, even for a moment, I will be useless. I will be a man with blemish and I cannot be a sin offering for the sins of the, this entire world. Lord, keep me from sin. Keep me from sin. And he was hurt. Why? Because of his godly fear. Are we the Jesus kind? Are we the Jesus kind, my dear brothers? We are entering into another year. Can God say, this is the fear of Vijay? Can my father, can my daughter come and say, you know what? My father is God. He is the fear of Vijay. That will be a challenge, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And Job, why, why is Job, like, why is he commended? Look at the attitude of Job, okay? So it was when the days of the feasting had run its course. Okay, they had a course, timetable. They used to eat according to their timetable, okay? Everybody is invited to their own respective homes. Then Job would send, and what do they, what, what, what do you do, do to them? What is that? Sanctify. Perfecting holiness, what? Cleansing yourself from all the filthiness of the flesh and the spirit, what? Perfecting holiness, what? In the fear of God. So then what happens? And he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. You know why? Because Job said, Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God. Where? In their heart. I don't know. I don't know. The fear of Job. God was the fear of Job. There's a direct correlation between sanctification and the fear of God. I'll show you some verses. Isaiah chapter 8. Do not say a conspiracy concerning all that the people call conspiracy. A lot of conspiracy theories. Okay. Nor be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. The Lord of hosts, him shall you. Hello. Let him be your fear. Let him be your dread. He will be for you as a sanctuary. You know how Peter interprets in this, this in the old new covenant? First Peter chapter 3. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. That is exactly how he interprets this. And be ready to give an answer. Any what? How? With meekness and fear. Meekness and fear. Mm-hmm. Fear of God. It's not there in our generation. Especially in our generation. We have to have this respect for authority, respect for people in, 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 in offices, especially when you talk about people, even when you're talking about your father and mother. What comes out of your mouth should be reverent. 
notwithstanding all the all the, all the weaknesses and they may be having but when you think about them fear fear god and it will go well with you first peter chapter 1 look at what he says and if you call on the father who without partiality judges according to each one's work conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay how how and fear why knowing that you were not redeemed you see you were you were redeemed right so what should your response be fear conduct yourself in fear don't become presumptuous second samuel chapter 6 and when they came to a nakon's threshing floor this is when they were getting the ark of the covenant okay to jerusalem the resting place okay they put it in on the two, on the cart remember the cart and full of dance and all kind of paraphernalia and full drums and all things were happening and david was full excited was his heart right absolutely and what happened where it at the threshing floor you know the pastor gave us a very interesting so many years back he talked about the threshing floor threshing floor is a place of judgment remember what happened the oxen stumbled okay and what happened to uza he put his hand to stop the ark and the anger of the lord was aroused against uza and god struck him there for his error and he died there by the ark of the god by the ark of god you see I'll, i'll tell you something very interesting there are two arks in the bible noah's ark that is you in christ the ark of the covenant that is christ in you two different things two different experiences one is the hope of your salvation the other one is the hope of your glory and if you're presumptuous what happened was that right i think it was sundar sundar krishnan who made this powerful statement you know what he said he said when uzza tried to stop the ark of the covenant you know what god was thinking the hands and the earth the earth on which the ark was going to fall was much holier than the ark which, which was trying to stop it from falling and he was dead the earth on which the ark was falling was much holier because that was a place of judgment then the hands which were trying it from which were trying to stop it from falling and he struck look at the response of david then david became angry because of the lord's outbreak against uzza and he called the name of name of the place peres uzza to this day this is very important peres uzza till this day and what happened first he was angry and then david was afraid of the lord immediately what came fear came you know the early church also they all started in great zeal people were getting added in numbers and all things were happening and you know and they were enjoying the fellowship and barnabas sold his property and suddenly little lightness was entering into the church they were becoming a little more presumptuous about things of god 
fear of God was slowly departing. God did one act of judgment. He struck Ananias and Sapphira dead. You know what happened as a result? Fear. I told you, what you fear is your God. What you fear is your God. You fear God, he'll take care of you. You fear any other God, they don't take care of you. You have to take care of them. Exactly. If you fear your manager, what you should do? He will not take care of you. You should take care of him. Am I right or not? That is what we call as perception management. I mean, I, I'm just stunned with these terms. What is that? How does your manager perceive you? Hardworking, always there, always on call. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So what do you do? You're serving him. He will never take care of you. You fear God. You know what? He will take care of you. That is our God. The gods of this world, when they are feared, you have to carry them. Our God carries us. He says, just fear me. Don't become presumptuous. John's Gospel, chapter 12. Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed him, in him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. What did they fear? <laughs> what did they fear? Whom did they fear? God. God or man? What does the fear of man bring? Snare. What does the fear of God bring? A fountain of life. You read the book of Proverbs. Fear of God and life go together. If you have the fear of God, you have life. He who has a son has life. He who has a son has a fear of God and therefore he has life. John's Gospel chapter 5. How can you believe? Who fear one another and don't seek the fear that comes from the only God. You see that? Not from God only. From the only God. So what who, what you fear or whom you fear is your God. If you fear your husband, he is your God. That is the reason why, you know what the Bible says, submitting to one another, how? In the fear of God. So what is the attitude the fear of God brings? Submission. Respect. Reverence. You see, that is, a, that is how I know, you know, when you talk to elders, when young people talk to elders, the attitude towards the older people shows it's a small, you know, a representation of what is there in your heart. The casualness with which you enter, the casualness with which you address men and women of God, for example. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not uh, um, uh, exalting any IPC churches or anything. You should see how uh, in, in, in Pentecostal churches, how they honor the men of God. My goodness, you should see how they, I mean, they're very, sometimes it's, very, it's too much, it's too legalistic. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about the attitude that they have. Counted worthy of double honor, they are given double honor. Hmm? Seek. Isaiah chapter 29 and verse 13. It's an attitude of the heart, right? Look at what it says in Isaiah chapter 29, verse 13. Therefore, the Lord says, Inasmuch as these people draw near with their mouths and they honor me with their lips, but they have what? Removed their hearts far from me and their fear toward me is taught by the commandments of men. Their heart is not there. 
And you know what therefore he says? Look at what he says in the book of Deuteronomy. Look at this heart. The, the, the cry of God in Deuteronomy. Look at this. Is, this is Deuteronomy chapter 5. And uh, uh, his, this is what Moses has to say. In Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse uh, 28 and 29. I have heard the voice of the words of this people which they have spoken to you. They are right in all that they have spoken. And verse 29. Oh, that they have such a heart in them that they would fear me. Such a heart. So how do you know that you have the fear of God? 28, 28. Easy to remember. Job 28, 28. Okay? Okay. Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong to God. Okay? Job 28, 28. And to the man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to depart from evil, that is understanding. You see that? That is understanding. To depart from evil, the fear of the Lord. Don't be wise in your own eyes. We'll come to that. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Think about it now. If people were to ask your testimony, if somebody were to ask, what do you think about Vijay? That Vijay, he fears his God. He has got the fear of God in his life. I mean, Loving, kind, everything is okay. But for me, it's fear of God, if he has God, everything else will follow. It's a man who fears God. That is the reason why he says, take care of these people who are weak in your community and fear your God. What did Cornelius do? He was giving alms to the poor. You know why? Because he had the fear of God. What was fear of God making him? He was making him Kind towards others. But what was the source of his kindness? The fear of God. Mm -hmm. You want to live long and not die before your time? How many of you want to do that? How many of you want to live long? Full of years. Show me your hands, Baba. You don't want to live long, bro? Come on, come on. Yeah? I want to live a full life. Some people are saying, what is the use of this life? No, no. <laughs> I, I, I want to finish God's purpose in my life. Full life. Look at what it says. Psalm 34. Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you what? The fear of the Lord. It has to be taught. And then he says, who is the man who desires life? You desire life? Be taught the fear of the Lord. And loves many days that he may see good. <laughs> you, want, you want to have a long life? A life which, in which you have fulfilled God's purpose. Like David, who fulfilled all the will of God, who fulfilled God's purpose in his generation. In the morning I was, I was praying, Lord, complete. I want to have a full quota. And I want to finish your purpose. And for that, what do I, what do I need? The fear of God. Because it says, the fear of God is the fountain of life which causes you to escape from the snares of death. And what brings death? Sin. And what did Joseph have? The fear of God. He did not fear man. How many of you want a health? Just not healing. Just not healing. Everybody wants healing. But how many of you really want health? Look at what it says. Oh, sorry. Uh, in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 7. Do not be wise in your own eyes. What should you do? Fear the Lord. Depart from evil. And what, what will happen to you? It will be health to your flesh. Actually, it's very interesting. It says, it will be 
मैरो टू योर बोन्स एंड हेल्थ टू योर बेली soundness to your belly because you know why out of the belly shall flow what rivers of living water so you really want to have health not just healing yes you get healing but you want to have health fear the lord and depart from evil that is the reason why you know what what was happening in corinth why were they so slack because there was there was slack slack slackness at the lord's table they were not judging themselves according to the standards of god you know what god and uh, paul warns them he says many among you are what sick many are weak many are sick and many are what fallen asleep dead you died before your time you know why you don't have the fear of god in your midst and i say lord whatever it takes I don't want to delight in the fear of God like like Jesus. No, what was his delight? It says he had the spirit of Lord, the spirit of counsel, spirit of mind, spirit of knowledge, spirit of wisdom, etc., and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. And what what does the next verse say? And his what delight was in the fear of the Lord. Delight was in the fear. Meaning what? Every place where he smelt that there is no fear of God, he would depart from that place. In other words, quick delight meaning what? Quick. to understand quick to smell the sense of smell is so sharp you no know, some of the in my family you know some of them they have a very strong sense of smell immediately they come home and say something is burning and everybody in the house is like what is burning how come yeah something and then then they'll go to the kitchen and they'll find something is really actually burning like like jesus would come and say no fear of god here slowly goes off that's exactly how you should how sh- conversations that are happening in your, uh, around a table in your in your office okay when they when you come they should stop and if they are not stopping you should smell and what you should do chi 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 kampo please let me let me even if they are putting sambar and idli over there and it is very attractive to you run away smell their spirit and not the sambar Mm-hmm. we are coming to the end of this year the challenge for this year would be i mean if you want to end lord vijay's god is a fear of vijay fear of isaac i mean i'm thinking about that no what is the name of god fear of isaac what is the name of your god fear of vijay kya baat hai what a what a stamp to have certificate to have this is god's certificate about himself health to all your flesh practice the fear of the lord reverence for god young people delight yourself in the fear of the lord and he will give you the desires of your heart honestly you delight in the fear of the lord you know young people practice it practice it lord grant me the heart to be reverent just not be uh, outwardly reverent no that is that is what a lot of people are like that ah, yes sir yes sir yes sir yes sir yes sir three bags full sir and after that you turn your head they will start cursing you It's like when you go to your boss's office. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay, sir. Okay, sir. Okay, sir. We are not talking about that. I mean, I, I, I think I'm just uh, expressing a lot of your thoughts. I don't know. <laughs> that is what you, many people think about your boss. I don't know. Some poster got there. It's like this, no? That, that you'll see the call, boss. हेलो सर यू आर नॉट टॉकिंग अबाउट दैट 
You're not talking about that. You're talking about being without filth. And how can you be without filth? Undefiled when you have the what? The fear of God. That is what Daniel said. You're asking me not to pray for 30 days? You know what? You're not my God. If I, if I, that is the reason why the king is like, he comes and he says, Daniel, not my servant, servant of the most high God. My goodness, what a certificate to give. You are not my servant. I know you work for me. Servant of the most high God was your God whom you serve day and night. Was he able to rescue you? Yes. He was. He shut the mouths of the lions. He sent his angel. You know why? Because I fear him. The fear of God is a fountain of life. Young people take it as a challenge. All the small children who just got baptized say, Lord, from my heart I want to fear you. From my heart I want to reverence my parents. From my heart I want to reverence my leadership. From my heart I want to reverence the people whom you have ordained in my life to mentor me and to teach me. When I talk about them, when I mention their name, it has to be from my heart. Let it not be out of pretense. Who wants that kind of a love? That is the reason why you know, that's what he says. That is hypocritical love. That's what he says. You hypocrite Pharisees. You are a what? Whitewashed tombs. You are full of iniquity and dead man's bones. Lawlessness. You stink. You don't have the fear of God. Hypocritical fear. We don't want that. We'll come to that later on in the time that we have. Next, what are they? They are just not only people who are undefiled, their objective is to become virgins. What is this virgins, Baba? What is that? What is what does that mean to be a spiritual virgin virgin? Meaning they do not see it's like this, no? If you tasted something, the first time if you do not say no, the first time, for example, somebody comes and says cigarette, how do you know the taste if you do not array one one puff? Nothing will happen. You'll feel like a man. Ultimately, you'll become a dead man. That is later. They will not say that. that's exactly how Satan. How do you know that what will happen to you if you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good? You will not die. Nothing like that is going to happen. Come on, what taste? You think God is so what is it? Conservative? Oh, conservative, no? Conservative? So restrictive. One smoke. If you do not say the no first time, the second time to say no will be more difficult and more difficult and after a while you will become a slave. I'm telling you young people, that is a virgin. What does she say? No, I don't want to taste it. I'm telling you, honestly, look at what it says. Daniel, what? Purposed in his heart that he would not want. Now he has been cleansed. Now I don't want to be defiled. So that food from the master's table, I don't even want to taste it lest I get used to it. That taste will come and then suddenly the mutton and the food and the wine and oh my goodness, how can I live? That is the reason why you know what they do in software companies? What will they, what will they give you? They would uh, Google, what do they give you? Uh, breakfast, free breakfast. First, initially the breakfast will be fantastic. All amenities they will give you and will make you very difficult for you to quit the company. Okay. Now what are you used to? You are used to roti, 
कपड़ा मकान दो गाड़ी हमारी गाड़ी दो गाड़ी ना नोडेज इफ यू गो टू एनी अपार्टमेंट कनीसम टू पार्किंग प्लेसेस वन फॉर यू वन फॉर योर वाइफ एंड वॉट हैपन्स नाउ टू गिव अप दैट काइंड ऑफ अ लाइफ सोडेक्सो कूपन्स रिमेम्बर सोडेक्सो कूपन्स when you when you went to more supermarket and you didn't have to pay cash coupons exchange the coupons for for grocery everything they will get you used to all kinds of luxuries and now you have to quit and come to full time ministry <sighs> now that is going to be an interesting giving up now yeah exactly <laughs> sister else says <laughs> <laughs> See, she's echoing with my heart. Okay, <laughs> think about that. It's very difficult. You get used to an exorbitant lifestyle. I'm telling you, do not let your children get used to ease. I'm telling you, my my parents are here now. I used to go to my school, taking local train. Okay, and walk from Sikandarabad railway station to. when i was in third grade and when emmanuel's age now there nowadays if i if emmanuel goes on to the street hey don't go and because the other day three of our children from the school they started running on the road on kishtaman cliff and my heart sank I said, what what did you do running behind an auto on the road and then then after after a while the lord told me you remember how you used to travel local train walking from secunderabad railway station and on my mother used to wait i dayanandagar i remember no from the window she used to wait for me to get down from the local train ah, which is there we are not used to ease and comfort like that now nowadays papa has to come and drop he has to pick auto has to come if there is no auto you will not go hmm? think about it we are used to comforts ease and you know daniel said papa <laughs> i don't even want to taste you know how the wine tastes i don't want to know i don't want to know Hey, come on, Daniel! Don't be so conservative. No, 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 no. Sorry, please. I have purposed in my heart. I will not even test it because lest I get snared by it. Sorry. Mm-hmm. And Yunak said he will kill me. I fear my king. You know what God Daniel said? I fear my king. Proverbs chapter one. My son hear the instruction of your father do not forsake the law of your mother for there'll be a graceful ornament on your head and chains about your neck and then that is in your house learn study do well learn the instruction and then you will go into the world okay sorry i didn't put that sorry 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 what the next verse will say when sinners entice you do not consent what should you say No, sorry. Mm-hmm. 
That is the reason why in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20 onwards, in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay for some of, for some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself of the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful for the masters, uh, for the master, prepared for every good work. So what you should do? Next verse. Flee. Youthful lust. Flee. Say no. Run. I don't want to taste it, Baba. Please. No, 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 no. I'm telling you, my dear brothers, I'm telling it from my heart. I wish I did not taste so many things in my life. So many things which were so difficult for me to give up. I say with a sense of brokenness. How many years I wasted because of a vice. And I'm telling young people, don't do that. Don't even taste it. It's not worth it. Ask Solomon. What is he saying? Vanity. Vanity. All is vanity. You know what? The bubble has crashed. That's what it means. They all hype it up. They give it a lot of hype. They say this, 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 this. They make it a big bubble. And after that, it will just burst. And what is there? Emptiness. That is vanity. It's all hype. Nothing there. No substance. Mm -hmm. Then what happens? Once you did that. So what you should do? Flee youthful lust, but pursue righteousness. Pursue faith. Pursue love. Pursue peace with those who call upon the Lord. From where? From out of our pure heart. Pursue. Make it your ambition. I don't want to go there, Lord. And what do they do? Because they are not used to all this comfort. Because they said no to all these lusts. That's the reason why, you know what? It says about John, he was in the, in the, in the wilderness. And what was his diet? Locusts and wild honey. Not, that's what he says. Those who feed sumptuously and who are clothed with fantastic fine apparel, where do you find them? In the palaces. What did you see in the wilderness? A man who's easily shaken by the wind? No! Why? His diet was locusts and wild honey. That is the reason why one day, when the word of God came, it circumvented all the people who are used to comfort and went into a man who was in the wilderness, who was trained to listen to the voice of God because he said no to legitimate pleasures. <clears throat> Understand that. What happens therefore? Now, because you're not used to these kinds of comforts, not used to these kinds of lifestyle, you're making a deliberate choice not to get used to all kinds of these, these things. I mean, that is the reason my pastor said, made a very powerful statement. One of the teachings says, nothing should come easy in your life. Easy come, easy go. And I just, those words just, they become like, they're ingrained, ingrained in my mind like that. I cannot just get rid of them. They, they will speak to me when, even, even when I'm sleeping. How do you sleep? Bad habits are like soft beds. Very easy to get in. Very difficult to get out. Said Navjot Singh Siddhu. Okay. He can also make some powerful statements. Not the vessel. But the statement is important. Okay. Siddhu laughs but we don't. We take them seriously. Then what do they do now? Because you are not used to comfort. You know what do you, what you do? You follow the lamb. Where? Where? Wherever he goes. I was thinking about, we're moving to a new house now, AC in children's room, 
I was thinking those days I was in my in my in my railway railway quarters in summer. I used to, I used to sweat while sleeping. I am looking at my children. I said, "Boy, what a different life that they enjoy." I am not saying we should not give all these things to our children. Don't misunderstand me, please. But with privileges come responsibilities. That has to be taught. Followed the lamb wherever it goes. Hebrews chapter thirteen. Look at how we follow the, <coughs> follow the lamb. Therefore, Jesus also that he might sanctify the people. You see, ultimately, what he wants to do, he wants to have a bride for himself with his own blood. He did that. Suffered outside the gate. Therefore, let us go forth outside with outside the camp, bearing his reproach. How are we going? Wherever he is going, wherever he is going, we are going. Doesn't matter. Wherever he takes, Lord, if you want me to be here, I'm here. You want me to send somewhere, I'm there. I'm going. I have no conditions in my life. I have given my life to you. You want, to, you want me to be here and serve here? I will serve. You want me to go somewhere? I will serve. I have already made up my mind. Mind is already made up. My mind is made up. And I won't turn back. Mm-hmm. need endurance for this. Otherwise, you know what? You may have a gift, but you don't have endurance. Hmm? Can you imagine? Some of the children, we think about it. No, I, I'll give you this example. I'll just I'll quickly wind up in a few more minutes. In Second Kings chapter 13, this is uh, the king who comes to Elisha. Elisha is dying. And he says, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And Elisha says, you get too much. Come on, come here. You always keep shouting a lot. Come here first. And he, take your arrow, take your bow. He put his hands upon him. And he says, shoot. And he shoots. The arrow of the Lord's deliverance. What has happened now? By the laying on of hands, there's an impartation of the gift. What is that? Impartation of a gift. Now he comes here. Come here, come here, come here. You want a gift to work in your life? Do one thing. Strike the ground. Tuck. 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 Over. Stamina over. Over. How many times did you strike? Three times. Stop. That's it. Over. How many times should I study? You know, I told I tell my children, you know, how many times you have to study until it becomes a part of you? How should I study for my exam as if your life is dependent upon it? That is what we call as committing it to memory. What is commitment to memory? If I don't remember it, I will die. How is it? One, two, three, gone. Tus. But what is what, what about Elisha? God has called me to Gilgal. I'm coming to Gilgal. God has called me to Jericho. Coming to Jericho. God has called me to Jordan. Coming to Jordan. God has called me to Bethel. I God has I'm Bethel. I wherever I am coming, I am coming, I am coming till I receive the double portion of your anointing. Because I'm I want to endure. But the same thing doesn't happen with this with his disciple. 
How many times? Three times. Two, three, two, gone. How many times? How many times should I come and attend a fasting prayer? Till it becomes a part of you. You see? We don't have endurance. To follow the Lamb wherever it goes. He goes. And in all this preserving one important trait, what is it? To be guileless. To be without pretense. Look at what it says in Romans chapter 16. What does it mean? Romans chapter 16. Now I urge you brothers, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learned and avoid them. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ but their own belly and by smooth words and flattering speech they receive the deceive the hearts of the what? Of the simple. But look at what he says. The, want, the warning he gives. For you, for your obedience has become known to all. Therefore, I am glad on your behalf. But I want you to be wise in what is good and simple or what? Innocent in what is evil. Preserve that innocence. That childlikeness. Not childishness. The childlikeness. When you look at Vijay, he should say, this guy has no pretense. Whatever is inside is outside. He doesn't pretend. He doesn't have to. I don't have to pretend. Simplicity. That is the reason why it says in Second Corinthians chapter 11, I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy because I have betrothed you to one husband so that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Jesus Christ. But I fear lest somehow the serpent deceived Eve by the craftiness so your minds may be corrupted from the what? The simplicity, the innocence that is in Jesus Christ. When they looked at Jesus, they said, this man is innocent. But he said, you know what? Be wise as serpents, but innocent and harmless and simple as doves. That's what he said. The same word. Simple. That means don't have any malicious intents in your heart. Even when you're doing certain things, you're doing it because you love and you care. And all this. Because they are what? Without fault before God. You know why? They have only one person whom they have. They are sure they have to answer. It is God. And I should be faultless before Him. That's not my earthly master. Not my, just not my earthly boss. But one day, I have to give an account of what I have done to God. And therefore, knowing the terror of the Lord, what do I do? I persuade men. So this, this morning, we'll end with the seven characteristics. What are these people? They know that they have been redeemed. They are the first fruits of the land. That means they are born again. They are undefiled. In other words, they practice the fear of God. They are virgins. They keep themselves from the defilements of the flesh. In other words, they don't want to taste or know anything that is evil. They follow the lamb wherever he goes. There is no deceit in their mouth. They are guileless. They are simple. And they are faultless before the throne of God. What are we today? Are we practicing to be the bride or are we the harlot is the question. So this morning, let's all stand up before God. We're going to, st- we're going to end this year. But the promise still stands. What is the promise? I will restore to you all the years that the locusts have eaten. But what is this promise for? That through these promises, you may be partakers of the what? Of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust.
So let's pray. And make a fresh commitment to God this morning, right? I say, Lord, another couple of weeks to go. I want to practice. I want to at least make this a part of my mind at least. I want to think on these things. I want to sanctify these couple of days, weeks that I have before the year gets over. And I want to prepare it. I know the days are going to become even more strong, more tough, even more difficult for us to live lives which God wants us to live. But you know what it says? Where sin abounds, what abounds? Grace abounds. When the enemy comes in like, in, in like a flight, what happens? The Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard. And if you believe that, the Spirit of God, the same Spirit of God, which rose Christ Jesus from the dead, is there in our hearts and it is able to quicken our mortal bodies so that we not only have health, but we also have the ability to please God and to become saints after his own heart. Let's pray. Father, this morning, we as a church want to commit ourselves afresh. You showed us seven characteristics of the people who follow the Lamb wherever they go. Lord, we were all people who were sold under sin. But you redeemed us. You showed your love towards us. That we were, when we were enemies, when we were sinners, when we were ungodly, when we were without strength, you died for us. And therefore this morning, we want to make a fresh commitment to you, O Lord. The best that we can, that we know how. Lord, we want to take this calling seriously. We want to make our calling and election sure. We want to practice the fear of God. Lord, grant us that desire in everything that we do, in our conversations, in our thoughts, in our attitudes, in our relationships with other, bro- other brothers and sisters in Christ. May we display that fear. But truly when they say, his God is his fear. The fear of Vijay. That is the God of Abraham. The fear of Vijay is Jesus Christ. That is his God. Thank you, Father, for your mercy. That you've, Lord, you've winked at all our days of ignorance. But now you're asking us all to repent. You tolerated our presumption. But now you're asking us to become serious. I pray, Father, that all of us will take this to heart. Fill our hearts with love. Fill our hearts with fear towards you. With reverence and awe. Maybe may, may we be a church who says Jesus is their God and Jesus they fear. They reverence Him. They respect Him. They consult Him in everything that they do. They completely come under their authority. His authority. The authority of His word and the leading of your spirit. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Commit all of us into your hands. Take take us back home safe. Be with us through this week. And let not the devil steal the words that have been planted in our hearts. To that end, I pray that you bless us. Thank you, Father. We praise you. We worship you. We give you glory. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, 
and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen, amen. Just make a note, next week is Christmas Sunday. So, see you all on Christmas Sunday morning. Amen.